Scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through 23. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 23. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in his age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Good morning. We are going to continue along our theme for this year, and we're studying how to become servants and to obey God. I think one of the most foundational points of that is to have a heart of selflessness. Now, when we look at selflessness, maybe we're thinking of someone who is not selfish. They're always caring and doing for others. And I think that ties in. But I think there's a heart that's behind that. There's a, a kind of thinking that we want to look at this morning that has to do with judgment and whether we should be, what kind of judgments we make in our life. So we're going to take a look at that. Once you consider this statement right here, you ever heard someone say, it is the Lord who judges me? You ever heard someone say, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you? Many times you would hear someone in the world say, you can't judge me and you can't tell me right from wrong and you can't give me any kind of information along those lines. But as we're reading right here, look at this statement here at the bottom. Here's the whole uh, the statement. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Who said that? The Apostle Paul said it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and Paul makes some things here, and he says some things that I think as mature Christians, we want to have in our life. The things that seem to burden us and trouble us, the thoughts of others, the judgments of others can pull us down. Or even our own judgments against ourselves, we can degrade ourselves to the point of saying, what's the use of even trying or serving or doing anything else for anybody else? But here we have from Paul these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I think we need to make some observations about for us to be very level-headed, for us to be a balanced and a mature Christian. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to read from there now. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. We just read part of it, but let's read it in its whole 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Paul says this, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted it is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast 
if you did not receive it. There's a lot in that little section of passage in Scripture. And when you think about 1 Corinthians, that might not be the number one passage that comes to your mind. You might think about the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You may think of other details in the no divisions in chapter 1 or the man who, was, had, who had to be disfellowshipped for having taken his father's wife in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. But I believe this passage right here is one that we need to be looking at this morning. First of all, Paul starts off and he recognizes himself by who he is. It's not about what the judgments of others around him is. It's not what he's boasting about himself and making up. He identifies himself as a servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God. A steward of the mysteries of God, someone who cares for a house is literally what the Greek word means there. And so he cares about God's truth and his word and about teaching that. And in that, he wants to be faithful to God. This morning, our priorities, we want them to be right. We don't want the burdens of this world and what the other people think about us plaguing us, their judgments. We don't want to be boastful of ourselves and, and allow our own thoughts to pull us down or to boast us up. This is how we do it. Paul says, be a servant of Christ. Be a steward of the mysteries of God. Be faithful to Him. For this reason, a mature Christian should find it a very small thing when someone else judges you. Now, you might say, well, what about if another Christian comes to me and says, I'm committing this sin? Well, the judgment then is before you and God. You want to be right before God. And of course, if you've offended that person, you want to ask for forgiveness. But as far as Paul is concerned right here, what appears to be the judgment here is of hidden things. There are individuals there who are saying, you know, there's something about Paul. There's something wrong with his heart. And I bet he does things that are wrong in secret. To me, that sounds like a guilty person. When Paul, when he faced some of these individuals in Corinth, whether in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, that appears to be exactly what they were saying. In fact, when you're reading the text, you see that as well. And so for Paul, it was a very small thing to be judged, even in a human court. He says the mature Christian does not judge oneself because God is the judge. And that's true. Sometimes we want to nitpick ourselves, criticize ourselves, put ourselves down and say, this is the way I should have done things. I did it wrong. Sometimes in the church you have that. You have someone who does something good. They might organize something. They might do some good work, and yet someone can pick it over and say, well, you could have done it better. And I think that's shameful to judge on certain details of opinions when someone does a good thing and when they're serving Christ. I think what we also see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and again, if you have that text and you're looking at it, make sure these points I'm drawing out of it are there. Fourthly, God will reveal the hidden things and he'll disclose the purposes of the heart. No reason for us to be judging others, be saying, I bet there's something evil in that person's heart. Where do you think that kind of thinking comes from? I think it comes from sinful anger and resentment, envy, jealousy, pride. That's why someone would be doing that, wondering what's in the heart of others, thinking maybe they're doing something evil behind the scenes. But Paul says he doesn't consider things like that. He stands before God. And lastly, as Christians, we don't want to make assumptions against anybody else about what's in their heart. We want the best for them. I think we see this. We see what's behind a heart that condemns others, even when they do good. Paul addressed those who judge the heart of others. And again, they were supposing there was something evil there. This is kind of judging, he says, is condemning or a condemnation. You have certain individuals who will look at someone and just simply because they're bitter toward them or jealous will want and condemn them to hell. And the Bible says a mature Christian 
It's not going to condemn someone to hell because they think something might be in their heart. There might be some hidden sin in their life. Jesus tells us in John 7 and verse 24, he says, don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. There is a right judgment in the right way. That's what we want. And I believe we see that in the Apostle Paul. I think we need to see this as well. We need to have the right perspective. I want to go back and look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and get some of the context and backstory of what Paul was saying. So Chris this morning has read part of that for us. We're going to go back into 1 Corinthians 3, take a look at that. So why was the Apostle Paul affirming that he is a servant and a steward of Christ? He was humbling himself. He was saying, this is my mission and this is my work. And as Christians, we want to have the same perspective. A mature, balanced Christian is going to think, I'm not who other people say that I am. I'm not who I say that I am. It's I that stand before God. He is the one who is judging me. In fact, the Greek word for it says the Lord judges right there is a participle. It's a constant act. That is, God is judging you now and to the very end. He's the only right person who is loving in his nature and yet just who can judge you. And listen to what Paul says here to get some more context on this passage we're looking at. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 through 9, it says this. What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Remember the church in Corinth was dividing. Some were saying, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul. They had factions among them. And he says this, he identifies Paul and Apollos. He says, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. That's all we are, servants. He said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Glory goes to God. And he says here in verse seven, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. And we have the right perspective, and we identify ourselves as servants of God. We can do exactly what Paul said right here and see that we are God's, that we are fellow servants with one another to God. And we have a balanced understanding. I also want to look at the kind of disposition and the deception that was going on in Corinth. So look with me also, right before we get to 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 7, we read these verses here, 18 through 23. Paul says this, let no one deceive himself. Often the most deceptive person is yourself. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become as a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. And again, Paul affirms here, don't get caught up in your own wisdom, your own thinking, your own education. Uh, what you know from the business world, what you know about science even, and make applications there and think that you know something more than what God knows, or that you should listen to people more than God, or to listen to yourself more than God. And as Paul says right here, don't boast in those things, you deceive yourself. An individual who thinks of in his own wisdom how great he is, he boasts himself up, he puffs himself up, he exalts himself. In fact, Paul's going to go on here. He's going to talk about people who puff themselves up. The Greek word literally means to inflate. I think that gives us a great application there of what happens to us when we have inflated our egos and our identities. We become empty inside, much like a balloon. I think we can make some more thoughts on that illustration in a moment. 
But I want you to listen to what Paul's saying here. Don't be caught up in the wisdom. Do not boast. Don't think anything about what others say about you. Your self-worth is in God. And he concludes here, you are Christ. You are Christ. I think that's an interesting statement there. You are Christ. Here, this church in Corinth had so many sins. They had divisions. They had people rejecting God's word. They had man living in sexual immorality in their midst. They had Christians who were looking to sue one another in court. That sexual immorality among their members in the midst, according to the end of 1 Corinthians 6, and Paul has to tell them not to do that. They had marriage struggles. 1 Corinthians 8, they still had people going after idolatry and going into idolatrous temples, also in 1 Corinthians 10. Some of them were profaning the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11. Some of them doubted that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and that there would ever be a final resurrection, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Some of them were taking the assembly, the time of worship, and turning it into a talent show, 1 Corinthians 14. Some of them were using God's spiritual gifts given to them and misusing them just for, to get attention from others, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This church had problems. And yet Paul says to them, you are Christ. Another way to put it is you are of Christ. It's a valid translation there of the original text. This church, with all your flaws, you are of Christ. And you need to repent. And you need to identify yourself in that way. I thank God that that's how we identify ourselves as Christians. That's why the sign outside front says the church of Christ. We don't identify ourselves with what the world says about us, even by what our family might say about us or what our spouse might say about us, or even by our own ego and wisdom. We put away that kind of judgment. And we look here to God's judgment. We trust in his word and knowing it. So when we look at this kind of judging, there's something wrong with judging like God. Because we've read from the text here in 1 Corinthians 4, it is God who judges. What place do we have in making any kind of judgment in this sense of claiming anything else about ourselves or condemning others. There's a right judgment when we convict one another and we go to one another and say, brother, you need to repent. But otherwise, this kind of condemnation of secret things of the heart is wrong. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, by what measure you judge others will be measured back to you. We need to learn from that. Learn from the words of Christ. Think about this. Romans 14 is filled of this. In Romans 14, Paul writes to the Romans and he says, don't judge anybody about disputable matters, about your opinions, about inferences that you have made. Maybe those hidden things you've thought about other people. You can't judge in that way. Romans 14 and verse 4 says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Here we are as servants of Christ. Who can judge the servant of God? God does. He said, it is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. It doesn't matter what others say. It does matter what God thinks of us, what his word says. Romans 14 and verse 10, it says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? Or we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Notice that despising someone else, being resentful, involves judgment as well. For some reason, we, we will have a way in our life where we will look at certain sins as Christians, and we'll cut off the ones that are easy to cut off and remove and put them away, but we'll have that pet sin, that one thing that we keep with us. And behind that, a lot of times, is the judgment of others by our own opinions. What opinion matters? Only the thinking and the mind of God and His judgment. So what does the Christian decide by judging by his own standard? 
What happens? Romans 14 and verse 13 says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment. We need to make a change in our thinking. Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. That is, don't judge people about matters of opinion. Again, there is a right judgment where we say, here's God's word, you're contradicting it, repent. As far as our opinions, as far as maybe hidden things in someone's life, we don't judge on those. Romans 14 and verse 22, it says, the faith that you have keep between yourself and God blesses the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. What's Paul saying there? He's saying there are certain things that you decide to do in your life spiritually that are between you and God. And he talks about what kind of food that you eat, what days you observe, and matters like that that are matters of opinion. And he said, don't pass judgment on that. But he says this, he says, don't do anything that you're doubtful of. Romans 14 and verse 23. If you do something you doubt in that you know that it doesn't come from God's word, then you are sinning. Romans 14 and verse 23. This morning, I hope you reflect on what Paul says. Let's take our focus back now to 1 Corinthians 4. We've gotten context. We've looked at throughout the Bible on the words on this matter. But again, Paul says, I don't even judge myself. God judges me. And if my conscience is convicted, then I will know and stand before God. But he says, I don't let others affect me. So I ask you this morning as well, we t- discussed this this morning in Bible class and on, on Wednesday night about self-esteem. The world we live in often talked about how people need high self-esteem and low self-esteem. Well, I had my wife read over the lesson yesterday. She always does, almost always, helping me out. And she brought out a fascinating point to me. We talked about it in class as well. She said, I don't think the problem is with the low or the high, and we'll look at that in a minute. The problem was with the self, when it's about me. The world today will tell you you need a high self-esteem where you need to think and do whatever makes you happy and whatever feels good and don't think about what others say. And that's absolutely wrong. We need to consider God. We need to follow what He says. On the other hand, there are those who will judge themselves. They will blame others. They'll always play the victim. They will put themselves low. They always think about what others are saying about them, allowing the judgments of others to put them down so that they have low self-esteem. The answer to this is neither one. We want God as our esteem, as the one we look for and we focus on. We need neither one of those. We need to focus on the Creator. And the world is lost today when it does both of those and goes back and forth. I want to take an image right out of 1 Corinthians 4 about being puffed up and inflated. And Paul talks about that a little bit more as he goes down there, about how wisdom and thoughts of others can inflate. But think of it like a balloon. Now, a balloon, when you inflate it, when you start puffing up and boasting about yourself or you start listening to others, that balloon becomes inflated. You're boasting, you're exalting yourself, and yet it is really empty when God is not your focus. All you do is fascinate yourself when you, you think about the opinions of others and how they think of you. You're just inflating, you're busy about that. In fact, when you get overinflated, it becomes very painful. Any moment somebody could pop you, any moment you could be deflated and be shrunk down to size. Somebody could humble you. And all you become concerned about is your own pride and your ego. The truth is that self-pride is never satisfied. People will continue to want to always fill their own egos, to boast themselves up, to even play the victim, to talk about a life of hard knocks. I find the same problem that is wrong with superiority complex is the same that's wrong with an inferiority complex. They're all prideful. And the standard is something else other than God. 
But Paul has taught us and shown by his example another way. I encourage you this morning to identify yourself as a servant of God. Test yourself to know this is true. What others think about you and judge about you is of little matter. You're going to stand before God. You know, Paul says this. He says, I don't even judge myself. And yet he says in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15, I am the foremost of sinners. How can he say that? Because his focus is not on himself. It's on God who forgave him and justified him and made him right before him. So that on the day of judgment, he's holy and pure and sinless to stand before God. This is selflessness. This is the person who's not self-centered. I had someone tell me once, and they said to me, not everything is about you. I could give you more context to about that. But when they say that to me, and I heard it, I thought for a moment, well, I wasn't prideful, I wasn't boasting. But sometimes you might be like, I've always had a struggle with, always putting yourself down. I'm never good enough, never doing what's right. I could have done something better. Don't judge yourself in that way. Allow God and his word to convict you and change you and put your focus on him. Before we finish this morning, I want you to think about Judas's word here in John chapter 12. Notice how he judged. You remember there in Simon's house there, they were gathered together and had a feast for Jesus after he rose Lazarus from the dead. And so he's gathered there and they're eating at the feast. And Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. She humbled herself. For a woman to uncover her hair and to let her hair down was a humbling act in the first century. She let her hair down and she washed the feet of Jesus. But it says, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was about to betray him, said, why was this anointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And I hear society saying that today. Why do churches take money? Why do they focus on things that they put in their buildings at all? Why don't they just meet outside and give all their money to the poor? It sounds a lot like Judas here. Not putting a focus on where it should be on Christ, on teaching others. And Judas does this. In fact, in Mark chapter 14, it's not just Judas that says this. Others say it as well. They judge the good works of others here in honoring Jesus Christ. Instead of honoring him, Judas says, you could have just given it to the poor. And if you read the rest of Scripture there, it tells you what Judas was doing. He was a thief, and he was taking from the collection that they themselves had. He was not right in his own heart, in his own judgment. Jesus said this in John 12, verses 7 through 8, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. It is good and right to honor, honor God. We want to be careful with our judgments. I challenge you this morning, become humble by becoming a servant of Christ. Change your focus to that because Jesus died and he rose for you and God is your judge. Forget about yourself and become selfless because God values you more than all of creation. He knows all the hairs that are on your head. He loves you. He gave his only son to die for you. Stop condemning others and judging others by your own standard, by your own judgment, because God is the judge. He'll reveal all the things that are hidden. And do not become puffed up and inflated because that life is hurtful. It's only going to bring you to destruction and a painful end. Be right before God. This morning, I encourage you to obey the gospel. Lose your life. What does selflessness have to do with salvation? What we've been talking about this morning has a lot to do with your salvation. Listen to what Christ said. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 
What does a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. We'll be judged by the words of Christ. That's what we need to be concerned with. When I hear Jesus say this, I see what he did for us. Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again. And we want to follow that same pattern. We see it right here. Take up your cross, die to yourself, bury that old person. As Romans 6 says, in the waters of baptism, start a new life. Fellow Christians, if you've gotten away from living this life, you become focused on others or more on yourself than God and Christ, I encourage you, take up your cross again. Become selfless. Lose yourself to save yourself. This morning, if you need to obey the gospel, you need prayers, you need encouragement, we ask you to talk to somebody nearby. Right now, you can come forward. We can pray with you. Please come right now while we stand and while we sing.